0: this is Dr. Travis Stork. Welcome to my podcast. And I am, I'm excited about today's podcast, mainly because I view it as a bit of a transition. The uh, unexpected situation we find ourselves in really, I hope, allowed me to talk about where we stand with the coronavirus in my first few episodes. But this is a, a bit of a transitional episode before we get into what will more likely than not be the more traditional uh, once-a-week episodes with my next episode uh, being Dr. Phil. But Chris Angel is my guest today. He's a magician, an illusionist, but also a father. And today we talk about, especially during these times, about the importance of not forgetting those who are most vulnerable. The importance of selflessness rather than selfishness. And I'm having Chris on because he did something really cool. He wasn't able to sleep, so it was 4.30 in the morning. He came up with an illusion and posted it online as his hashtag hand wash challenge. It's this mind-bending magic where he's, he's washing his hands and using his illusion magician skills or whatever it's called, it is really cool, so I recommend everyone check it out. But it reinforced, it, it reinforced this idea that now that we, we're, we're living in this time of this crazy pandemic, and he, he put out the hand wash challenge because a lot of people don't know that Chris, or his family, as his family calls him, Christopher, has a six-year-old son, Johnny Christopher, who at 18 months of age was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia, and has had a relapse, is a kid who spent so many days of his life already in the hospital, continuing to get treatment. And during this time, because of treatment for leukemia, Johnny Christopher is one of those people out there who we may not think of initially, when we think of those who are vulnerable or, or most at risk during a pandemic. But, your immune system is severely compromised when you are undergoing cancer treatment because of those chemotherapeutic drugs, they purposefully minimize your body's immune system's ability to fight off infections. And coronavirus, as we know, is dangerous for potentially all of us, but in particular those with a compromised immune system or the elderly or those with comorbid illnesses. But we talk a lot today on this episode about selflessness. We talk a lot about an adventurous life lived. We talk a lot about staying optimistic and we talk a lot about how the power of magic and the power of, maybe it's just another way of thinking about compartmentalizing life. When you engage or watch someone doing something extreme or a magic trick, in the case of, of Chris, it can take our mind to a place that is almost like meditation. And so I think the power of magic's very real. I am so impressed by it because the stuff that Chris does truly is death-defying. In fact, after this, (laughs) after you hear this, you'll probably be Googling some of his tricks. And uh, not only magical tricks, illusion the illusion that he is so fantastic at, but literally these stunts that no one should try As he says, he has been practicing the art of this since he was a boy. Um, And maybe that's the other lesson here. If you want to get really good at something in life, you don't show up one day and say, hey, I want to be a magician or hey, I want to be this. What you do is if you decide that something is your passion, you start practicing. And the cliche practice makes perfect probably exemplifies someone like Chris Angel more than anyone because he is able to do these incredible things in his show in Vegas or on his show in Vegas because he's spent so many years perfecting his craft. So this episode is not only about, hey, we're still in the middle of this pandemic. So many uncertain, so many unknowns, so many Americans right now, essentially in lockdown, panicked, unaware of the future, I hope that today's episode is a little bit like Chris's magic, just a a chance to not take our minds off of our current situation, but think outside of it, because sometimes that's the magic of life is we may feel stuck, we may feel in a rut, but if we think outside of our current circumstance, we can see down the road, we can see in the future, we can stay optimistic. I do think it's important for me to just quickly add as well, and this isn't to scare everyone, but when this data first started coming out from China regarding the most vulnerable, really looking at the elderly, and yet in this country, we're seeing more and more 20s, 30s, 40-somethings ending up in the ICU. Now, I'm hoping that a lot of that is because the elderly are heeding the calls to stay socially distanced. And I I think for a while there, and, and we saw it, but a lot of younger generations were still out and about maybe more than normal. But we now know that anyone at any age is at risk for a bad outcome from this virus. And that's why we need to protect one another, be more vigilant than ever while we still allow our minds to take breaks from this madness. And I hope, uh, again, that this podcast is a break for you. Hey, thanks for hopping on with me, Chris. Really appreciate it.
1: Of course. Thank you for having me.
0: And also, I have to give you as a physician, I have to give you a huge shout out for during these times when I think we're all going stir crazy. Your hashtag hand wash challenge (laughs) was so on point and such good timing, not only to just remind people of the simple things we can do, because I've been telling people to do this, but when it comes from someone like me, everyone just assumes, oh, it's the doctor. He has to tell us to do that. But you did it in a way that was also incredibly, use the power of magic to get your message out there. What, in, what inspired you during these crazy times to uh, to do that?
1: Well, it was 4.30 in the morning. I couldn't sleep. And I started creating in my mind and thinking about it. And I went to sleep, back to sleep for a few hours, got up, and I immediately started working on it, shot it that day, and then just edited myself on on the phone and just posted it. You know, it's it's a very trying time for the human spirit right now. Many people... You know, have despair, um, are pessimistic, and you know, understanding what they're going through, like we all are. But you know, the human spirit is resilient, and in times of crisis, um, I think people look to escape at some points. And I thought this was something that would give the right messaging and would also entertain people and give them an opportunity to have a brief escape from our reality. and And that's what I try to do as. Ah uh, practitioner the art of magic. my whole job is to give people the opportunity to escape and to use love uh, with what i what I love doing um, to touch other people around the world with with my art and now more than ever, I think people are gravitating and are engaged by it. And I think it's really important.
0: And it's the power of magic. It's the power of when we're so focused on one thing, like everyone is right now with coronavirus, we collectively lose our minds. And what's interesting in medicine, you can sit around and talk about meditation, but I think really what it is right now is we just need the occasional distraction that takes our mind someplace a little more pleasant. And there can be a message there. And I want to talk with you about the power of of magic in a minute but I love also your messaging of stay optimistic because you're in Vegas and it's shut down. I don't know. When's the last time Vegas has been shut down?
1: Not in my lifetime. I, I, and Broadway. Um, I mean, this is a pandemic that's affecting everybody. And, uh, the the human spirit is resilient. Uh, optimism is a very, very important thing to have. It's all about how you look at a situation. You can look at it negatively, or you can be uh, looking at a situation positive, trying to learn from it. And look, there's so much that we all take for granted every day of our lives. And this gives us an opportunity to think about those things and to be with people, our families, that we take for granted, to do the things that we like for me i've wanted to clean my stupid closet forever now <laughs> i'm going to get the opportunity to finally clean my closet or read a book that i wanted to read or spend a lot of time with my with my children be a dad i mean there's we can make lemonade out of lemons and i think it's all about how you look at a challenge and how you mentally prepare to get through it if you fight it it's going to be difficult if you accept it and realize you can't change it at this point but you can only do your part as a citizen of the globe and and do the right thing, then you make the most of the situation because we will get through this. Absolutely. And this will unite us and make us better because of what we went through. And hopefully we'll learn a lot about this not happening um, in the future, or if it does happen, being better prepared for it. Well,
0: and I love your messaging also, because a lot of I've been talking about this short-term pain slash sacrifice for long-term benefit. And it's hard to think of it in those terms, but the last thing we want is long-term pain, long-term suffering. And from the medicine perspective, I've been talking about this idea of a virus, we can outsmart it. And part of the way you outsmart it is either self-isolating, social distancing, but being aggressive about it collectively. And I think that we're slowly beginning to realize how important that is but the messaging getting back to optimism is in some ways it allows you to get back to basics you mentioned spending more time with your kids a good friend of mine the other day i was talking to him on the phone and he said look travis the only reason that we're talking right now is because everyone is to some extent stuck at home for the first time in forever i was talking to my wife about how this is the first time i've been actually in the same place with her for more than a week in his since we've been married. <laughs> right. I mean, it's crazy. And and so with the good or with the bad, we need to to take a little bit of good away from it. And if we can look at it in those terms, again, this, this, it is a sacrifice. And the biggest thing that, that I'm sure you're seeing in Vegas is, I mean, I think of Vegas is it's one of the, if not the biggest tourist destinations in the world. And it is hard to think of every single individual who gains their income by Vegas being Vegas. I mean, if, if you think about how much money is pumped through the Vegas economy and all the service jobs, it's a, it's a very tough thing to talk about sacrifice. But I think you hit the nail on the head with the hashtag hand wash challenge because if we all wash our hands a little bit more and we're all a little bit more cognizant over the short period of time, we can come out the other side and this sort of lackadaisical approach of, eh, you know, Let's just see what happens here. That is, to me, that's a defeatist attitude. I feel like we have more power than we realize. And may, getting back to the ma- power of magic, no one ever would think that you can do the things you do. I still don't know how you do it. That Your video, your hand, hand wash challenge, it is mind bending. I I'm, I mean, <laughs> how, if you can do that, we can do this collectively as a country.
1: Exactly. Well, ma- magic does that. It gives us the the power to believe that. Anything is possible. And you know what? I'd rather sacrifice right now because to your point, it will absolutely flatten that curve and not have a huge spike in cases. And like if we do the sacrifice now, it's going to be a lot less than if we just carried on with the work at hand that we have been doing. And, and, and I think that this is a really important step To really get this disease under control, and to really take care of the elderly and the people like my son who are very vulnerable. You know, he's going through a relapse of you know ALL, and um, and you know we're we're hooked up to machines. And next we were doing a a immunotherapy uh, for 28 days. Now on Tuesday he starts his chemo again. You have to think about the vulnerable and uh, you know elderly people. People with uh, that are neutropenic, and you know, quite honestly, just saying that it does affect middle-aged people as well. So, this is an opportunity to try to put an end to it sooner than later. Get back to basics, and then come back rejuvenated, and, and, and really uh, look to flourish and and to really two hundred and fifty thousand people come through Vegas, you know, every day or two days, tourists. And, uh, and now there's no one coming to Vegas. so we need to uh, we need to be positive and optimistic and smart about this so that we don't make the same mistake about being unprepared for circumstances like this. you know, not to get political. Uh, it's not a political statement, but as a doctor, you know better than anybody that you know we rely on 97 percent of our pharmaceutical products and and apparatuses you know come from china or from other countries and i think we need to be more self-reliant i think every country should strive to be self-reliant because we got it's like taking care of your family you know you got to take care of your family and i think we have to take care of our our country and our, our our people just like every country should have that and seeing that we're so unprepared and And it could be taken away. I went to my my son's treatment, and they were like, "Oh, we don't have this. We don't have that." And we're like, "What do you mean you don't?" He's like, "Because it comes from China, and they're not sending it, so we we have a shortage of these supplies." And I was blown away by that, you know, not just because of my son, but just in general. You think America, you know, is self reliant, but that's not the case. And I think we need to you know, head to that direction. And I think every country needs to look at that and be self-reliant as much as they possibly can.
0: You will see some long-term changes in the way the healthcare system operates because of this. And we do have acute shortages of everything from, and I want to talk to you a little bit more in a second about your son, Johnny Christopher, but it's there's not just a shortage in terms of supplies right now because of these self-isolation measures. There's shortages of blood products, which I know is something you're very well aware of. But it is it is a crazy time in medicine, and you're probably more knowledgeable about it than most because of what you've watched your son go through. It sounds to me, you know, a layperson doesn't usually use the word neutropenia unless they've spent one too many days or many, many two days. or. I'm sorry unless they spent way too many days in the hospital and and neutropenia for anyone listening is when you you don't have your white blood cell count can drastically drop particularly when you're on chemotherapeutic agents and the hard part there is you're shutting your immune system down which means when you have an infection whether it be quite frankly a common cold influenza or in this case the the virus we're still learning about the coronavirus the potential ill effects are so much greater because the immune system cannot fight it off. And that no gets white black
1: cells. To,
0: no. that's exactly right. And so staying optimistic, let's stay optimistic. And, and that is if we all play our part, then we can very quickly get to the end of pain instead of having endless pain. The course we're on right now is right in the middle. And I feel like we need to be a little more aggressive, but I would just urge everyone to think of Johnny Christopher's how five and a half is that right he
1: just turned six and we will yeah we have another uh about two years to get through his relapse treatment so he'll be like eight years old and he will have done six years of chemo but not just johnny chris or not just because he's my son but there are so many children um just so many kids that are going through this it's really tragic and um I'm making a documentary about it right now.
0: Well, but Chris, I think it is important to highlight your son as an individual because people respond to stories, not statistics. I can sit here and be talking, whether it be on this podcast, on TV, and I can say, look, everyone, there are people dying from this, but that is so abstract that you'll then still see beach goers say, I'm going to live my life. I've got time off. I'm going to party. I don't care. Well, when you put it in terms of your six-year-old son who has spent far too many years of his life battling cancer and to know that if everyone is spreading this and not playing their role, that could indirectly affect your son. I think it is important to selfishly talk about his journey and your journey because you're the parent. You're the one who has to go. I mean, you. one of the things that people don't realize about medicine and being a doctor, so I'm an ER doctor and as an ER doctor, I take care of babies sure the elderly and everyone in between i've also seen how most illnesses although they tend towards extremes of age they tend to affect people who have compromised immune systems or comorbid illnesses you also if if you work enough in an er you spend enough time in a hospital much like cancer for no rhyme or reason Otherwise healthy people can be greatly affected. And and I feel like until you've been in that environment enough, you may not really understand it. And that's one of the reasons why I just started this podcast, because I wanted people to understand things and, and think more like an ER doc or how you might, my world is colored so much by my experiences in the ER, because I do think about kids like your son. And when I see people ignoring the warnings and blowing it off, it hurts my heart. Because I know that there is a, um, there's, there's a kid out there or a grandmother out there who is going to get this, who doesn't, who potentially would not need to get it and, and potentially have a bad outcome if we collectively act. And, I, and, and that's where I would tell you, make the documentary, make it personal because then people listen.
1: Yeah, it's, it's one child every two minutes is diagnosed with cancer. That's a statistic. And you know, out of every $100 that the American Cancer Institute raises, less than 70 cents goes to pediatric cancer. Unacceptable. Um, so we're trying to raise awareness. I'm going to be announcing a huge event this year um, to raise millions upon millions of dollars um, for this cause. 100% of every cent that I raise and have been raising since, since 2001 goes to research and treatment way before I had a child or two now. Um, so this is an important, uh, situation that I think, you know, it doesn't discriminate can affect, it could be black, white, Brown, rich, poor, famous, not, you know, it can affect everyone. And until, as you pointed out so, so wisely, it, you live it, then you don't realize. And for those people that are ignorant, that are out there, you know, not taking it seriously. And I understand because I was 18 years old, 20 years old at one point of my life, we've all been there. We've all been there. But but still, this is something that hasn't happened in in our lifetime. And, you know, you really have to think about those people that are vulnerable and those that are susceptible to this and for many different reasons. So like, yeah, I just I just think that we need to collectively um, be serious about this hunker down. You know. And
0: and I might I might add in in getting back to hunkering down and doing the simple things the hashtag hand wash challenge being very fastidious with hand washing um, not touching our eyes not going out um, doing things that are unnecessary this is a time really where obviously there it doesn't mean that the world has to come to an end and it shouldn't it doesn't mean that all commerce has to stop but the necessary things that need to happen a okay. Um, the unnecessary gatherings, it's time to end those. And you know this concept of resiliency, you got even, me even of, just
1: like getting together at your house for dinner, look what happened in New Jersey. just to having a family dinner with some friends over and three people got infected. So uh, whatever, I think it was three uh, three people. So just like something that you think naively, oh, we're just gonna have a Sunday dinner. Can't do it.
0: Well, if you have Sunday dinner with six people and all six of those people have been out and about, Everyone that they've interacted with and then everyone that those people have interacted with, it's like any infectious disease that is this contagious, you have to just assume that everyone has it. And And I hate to say it, but you create your cocoon around your family when you are out and about. And if you're still working right now, you just have to be very conscientious of it. Be aware of it. Don't be afraid of it. Respect it. That's the key word here. Respect it. You don't have to be afraid of it. As I've told everyone, this is, not, this is not the Ebola virus where it has over 50% mortality. But getting back to this concept of resiliency, we always use these terms resiliency. You know, Our country is resilient and I believe that to be true and I actually believe that this entire situation, the pandemic, the economic distress that, that is occurring across the world, I, I think it is going to force this country to come together in a way unlike ever before. But resiliency, if you wanna see resilient, you go walk into a pediatric oncology ward, you mm. will see resilience and yeah. you will see things that will cause you to cry. Not because, I mean, plenty of things to cry about from sadness, but you will cry because you will see resiliency in these kids.
1: I see it in my son. He's a, he's a superhero. He's, we just did a spinal tap because uh, we do them every three weeks. And uh, this just happened uh, on on Monday, and he did the spinal tap for the very first time without being put under. He did it awake. My son is six years old, did a spinal tap, a needle this long going you know the procedure um, and did it awake with just some numbing cream. He didn't want to be put to sleep. That's pretty amazing and his spirit and his smile and his determination um kids that go through this, in my humble opinion, being around it so long and doing a lot of work in the community of pediatric cancer, um, they're special. They, they look at things very differently. Their personalities and their temperaments are very different. Um, it, it has a profound effect on, on, on their life and who they are and who they become. And these kids are the definition of being resilient.
0: I want to ask you um, Is your son, he's right about that age where he knows going what's going some, on. Because, I mean, you can't, and that's kind of the, the angle I haven't touched upon much lately, but people have to talk to their kids about what's going on because it's we can't pretend that things are normal because they're not he notices right and does he understand Absolutely. because he's had to learn to be very careful and when he's out and about he's probably doing all the things that we should be doing but is he you know how when you talk to your son how does that conversation go in this time where we've got this novel coronavirus floating around that none of us really know none of us really know it we we are certainly learning more by the day. But you talk about challenging conversations to have with your kids. Most people think, oh, the birds and the bees talk, that'll be challenging. But how about telling your six-year-old son with ALL who has been going through a relapse, knows his immune system is, is challenged. How do you talk to your, your son about that?
1: Well, the first thing that I always do, and Chanel, who's an amazing mom, we always frame it with optimism and positivity, even though it's such a negative Mm -hmm. scenario. You can't take a six-year-old and make him scared, like in a way that would think about things that are very dark and gloomy. We we take day by day and I incentivize him. I try to say, look, we're gonna go through this process, but mommy and daddy, daddy are gonna be next to you the whole entire time. Your family's with you. We're gonna we're gonna get through this. Today we have a spinal tap, but you know what? After we get out done with the spinal tap, daddy's gonna play with you. We're gonna go on the go-kart. So we're gonna go and I try to encourage him and keep him in a good frame of mind. And we talk about his, his disease in a way that, you know, because now he recognizes that when he started going to school and the other kids are all, and he was in remission, and then he had to be taken out of school and he lost his hair again. We kind of had to explain that, you know, this is his leukemia. He knows about the treatment. He goes to the doctors. He knows their protocol, you know, height, weight, temperature. Um, he has a port with two two um areas to 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 uh to connect to it. And so he understands it. Obviously we 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 don't talk to him about what many, I think one in every six child, one in every five child doesn't survive and, and has a lot of complications because of the, the the chemo and years some of their organs and the problems that they have because of the chemo treatment. We, we try to talk to him with optimism and hope and support. And the big key word is everything for us is love and God, like faith. Um, I believe if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. We just want our son to be healed and we believe he will be healed. And so we talk to him in a way that we explain to him in a way that he can understand, but we keep it. Optimistic. We keep it with love and hope. And I keep things for him incentivized so that he can get through these little hurdles, look forward to something, get through the next one, look forward to something to get through the time period. It's it's you know, there's no handbook that comes with being a dad or a mom, specifically when you're going through a time like this. And it's just um trying to use common sense, trying to put yourself in his position and trying to uh, not make it a scary monster that you can't slay. Well, love is a word
0: and you just talked about its power, but love, one of the blessings of my job is I can see the love in your eyes Hmm. for your son as you're talking about this. And I think that that is, it's a profound thing. Yeah. I think we can throw that word around a lot, sometimes maybe too much, but it's just, I can literally see In your eyes right now. Yeah, you're making me get emotional. (laughs) Well, most people, you know, Chris, most people are probably just listening to this, even though you and I can see each other, but you know, it's okay. The thing about it is when you shed tears for someone you love, that's the, that's because you love them. And the cool thing about that is, you know, in this world, it's so unpredictable and, you know, I never, I never knew I was going to, to, to be a doctor and I would have to do things like pronounce death. It's not, it's in, in the tears that people shed for a loved one, right? That's as pure of an emotion or a, just, it's such a pure thing. So no matter what you're dealing with in life, you're right. That concept is profound and it's there. And it's also pretty cool when you were focusing on kids right now, which I think we should, because You know, kids, if kids can stay positive through all this stuff, and I'm convinced the reason they can stay positive is because I would like to believe that most kids going through a tough time, particularly childhood cancer, combined right now with this crazy coronavirus hysteria. But I feel like it's when those kids feel loved, they are resilient and they are powerful because the power of love truly gives them that strength and I mean, that is a gift that a parent can give a child that is greater than anything else. The
1: the, the most important thing in life is love, health and happiness. But with love, you can have happiness. And with love, it is like you all the money in the world doesn't buy love. There are people and I know many of them that are wealthy beyond anyone's comprehension but they don't have real love and they don't have happiness and they're empty. I would take my son's cancer in a moment. I would give my life for my son in a moment if I could If I could make him healthy. Like love is such profound. Really, you can try to describe it, but you can't. And I really believe that a lot of the problems that we have is because there's a lack of love. In society, within our people, there's a breakdown. And I think people react and act out because they don't have that sense of belonging and having that sense of love, that profound emotion that connects, connects us in such a vital way. You know, love is but the memories you create for others to remember when you're not here. I mean, think about it. What is life, right? So like when you die, you, you have all these materialistic things, but if you have people's love and you've loved people and they loved you, then they're going to have these memories that, that are priceless. And that's really, I think a lot of what life is. It's about those memories you create for the, the ones that you love.
0: And I sometimes wonder if in today's day and age where we're often so distracted. And look, the human spirit will always be strong, but we are right now living in a time where there have never been more distractions. Quite frankly, because we all have phones and we can take videos, there's a, a level of self focus that we all, I think, engage in at times, which is, you know, love is the ultimate act of selflessness. But it's in today's day and world, it, it, it often does We're feel selfish. more like. Yeah and 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 it's hey look at hey look at me hey look at look me and, and and it's a tough balance because you know it's funny I never expected to be doing what I'm doing in a million years it was not something I had planned out and I think a lot about how in today's day and age where again everyone has social media everyone has a camera and we're often so focused on the camera pointing back at us, you know, think about in the past, it was always, we were taking pictures of everyone else. I had my phone out. I'm taking a picture of you. Well, before phones and a camera, it was very hard with an old school camera to, to take a picture of yourself. (laughs) So we took pictures of everyone else, all the people we loved. But now, I mean, this is a true story, Chris. I was, I was hosting an episode of the doctors years ago and apparently taking a selfie was a thing it had been for a while. I didn't know. So the producer says, hey, Travis, take a selfie and send it to me. I didn't even know what she was talking about. But here we are, fast forward, and selfie, no problem. I mean, it's that's easy. I got sure. long arms. I'm good at taking selfies. And I, I think that maybe what we're going through right now is a gentle reminder that, you know, not not only literally turning the focus of our camera back out, outwards instead of at oursel- at ourselves, but this is a time where maybe more than ever, we have to be unselfish, selfless, whatever the, the terminology is you want to use and just spend time thinking, not just, it's almost like back to Kennedy, <laughs> ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost right now we're in that moment because this virus is everywhere it's in every community most likely. And the ones that we have to worry about, you know, it's all of us, but particularly people like your son, grandparents, yeah. it's not a statistic. I hate it when it's like, oh, you know, people over 80 have an 18% mortality rate. That that doesn't resonate as much as when you think about your grandparent. If you're lucky enough to still have a grandparent alive, or maybe it's a parent who's getting up there in age, or maybe
1: they do. My mom's 85 years old. My mom.
0: And you're thinking about it, right? Of course I am.
1: Mom do not go outside. But even if my brother goes shopping for her, he has to come and put, you know, so it's, it's, it's still being very cautious about how to do that. And before you said something about, you know, everybody has the camera turned on themselves. It's like everybody lives in their own little fairy tale world of what, It's an illusion, and this coronavirus has shattered that world and made us live in reality. The irony
0: of that is you use the word makes us live, or we've been living in this illusion, and ironically, that's kind of what you spend your career doing. Yes giving us a chance to... As Chris
1: Angel, as Christopher, I'm just a dad and, uh, you know, uh, a God-fearing guy that tries to do the right thing and uh, tries to take care of his family and tries to put positivity in the world. But yes, I absolutely um, live in the world of illusion. It's my reality.
0: Is there a switch for you that that happens where, you know, let's just go about a normal day where maybe you're tending to um, your family, um, heck you may spend a day where you're at the hospital with your son and then you have to
1: sleeping in the hospital, getting up and then going to work. And then I have to become what people came and paid to see. How do you, how
0: do you do that? Is that a natural
1: thing for you? Or do you have a
0: ritual because you're also doing something that, and tell me if I'm wrong, but to me watching, it requires an intense amount of focus, I don't know how you do what you do. I'm very impressed by it. And I'm actually, thank you. I, I love what you do mainly because it gets us out of our own mind and mindset, whether it's negativity or what have you. And it's, it's a, the power of being mesmerized by something, the power of magic. How do you magically turn from
1: dad? Just, you know, just Chris, or do your friends call you Christopher? Um, depends how close they are, but anybody can call me Christopher, but most people call me Chris, but my family calls me Christopher or dad.
0: (laughs) So, so you're dad, you're Christopher, and then you put the cape on figuratively and you show up at work and thousands of people are there expecting you to put on a show and you become Chris Angel. How do you go about that transition mentally?
1: It's, um, well, well, first off, um, you know, for me, I, I take my job very seriously because I've been so blessed to be able to perform in the capital of entertainment, which is Las Vegas for, you know, I've done almost or did about 6,000 shows over 11 years performing in Vegas alone, just performed on Broadway last year and, and, you know, had been, uh, very fortunate to create a show that is highly in demand and a show that, um, is a spectacle that we've never seen before. So I do a lot of dangerous things in the show. I literally put my life on the line every night with many of the things that I do. And so um, I have to be focused, I have to be in a moment. And I can never take the fact that I have an audience that will never ever be in the same room together in the history of the world ever again. And every audience is my first show because I got to give them a hundred percent. I got to entertain them. I got to give them their money's worth. I can't just phone it in. doesn't matter what's going on in my personal life. If my son's in a hospital, if if this is going on or that's going on, I got to give them an incredible experience. And I have to be in the moment because I don't want to get hurt. Um, you know, I levitate, I fly around, I'm hanging upside down in so straight jackets. You- I'm, I, just, I just turn on a switch when I'm about to appear in the beginning of my show, um, I don't know. It's just something I could be. Just totally, I do like a ritual of, ex, of, of stretching and stuff like that. Do a little prayer, then I get ready, and then as soon as I appear, I just, I just become um, that that person. And I think it's because there are kind of three personas that I exude in in on stage. One is Chris Angel. One is Christopher, uh, the, the Family Guy which people like to get to know on stage as well. And then it's this crazy character known as Christos, this over-the-top, outrageous, crazy, you know, maniac. Um, And I think they're all kind of innate in me, and I just know how to kind of trigger them to, to become them or to allow them to kind of be exploited within um, but for me, it's it's easy. I've been doing this, you know. I've been doing magic since I was six years old. Um, I started learning my first trick, and I've been performing, you know, doing shows, birthday parties, and stuff, my whole life and corporate events and then clubs. I was playing at bars when I was fourteen, riding my bicycle. It was the craziest thing. Um, so I've been doing this a long time. So when people come see me for ninety minutes at Planet Hollywood in Mind Freak or in Raw when I tour with my Raw show, they're not seeing 90 minutes. They're seeing my whole entire career in 90 minutes. All of the lessons that I've learned in my career as a magician, as an artist, as a director, as a person, it all kind of culminates. And I think the most important thing that I give the audience and the the underlying message, because magic has always been about how does he do it? For me, it's about how you feel when you watch it. I want to move people. I want to inspire people. I want, to, I want people to leave the theater feeling empowered, like they can conquer the world. They just saw me do things that are impossible. Well, maybe becoming a doctor is not so impossible if I could go levitate and fly around the room and you don't even know how I'm doing it in the middle of bright light or picking somebody up and flying away with them. Um, you know, those are the things that I try to use ma- the power of magic to inspire and to allow people to dream and to be positive and to work hard. It took me 18 years to become an overnight success. And if I can do it, the guy that never went to college, the guy that was in slow classes in high school, anyone can do it. If they're willing to put the sweat equity in, have the passion, the perseverance, the stick-to-itiveness to go out there and conquer the world and live their dream. Drop the mic, Chris. That's how I. That was
0: that was profound and awesome, and what a great button to this whole concept of having, like you. You have a passion for what you do, and I think that that is obvious. And I truly believe that what you just said is maybe the essence of quality, meaningful entertainment, which is, you know, if someone's watching you do something and it inspires them that's very different than just watching something and being entertained for entertainment's sake. And you're right. I mean, it's, and it's interesting also, you, you highlight something that I think is far too, we forget it. You know, you've had your, your boots on the ground, so to speak, working hard so that you can levitate now in Las Vegas. It's not as though you just showed up one day. (laughs) Hey guys, I've got an idea. I'm going to create a magic show. (laughs) No, this is, you know, years and years of mastering your craft and you do it better than anyone. I have to ask you of everything you've ever done, because I am an ER doc and I always talk about risk reward off the record. My wife would acknowledge this. she is, she's very risk averse. So, um, we're expecting a baby boy in June and she said, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And I was going to say, when it won't be anytime soon due to coronavirus, and obviously after we have a baby, we won't be traveling anytime soon. But we'll, I want to come out at some point and see your show in person. Love
1: you too. I'd love to have you there. I just had a, a Paul Stanley of Kiss there and a bunch of people, and he brought his family, and he's such a great guy. We had a blast. But would love to host you guys anytime you wish.
0: Well, I, I would love to come. And, and back to this concept of risk benefit and maybe the, the, either the scariest or most challenging trick you've ever performed. Because again, as an ER doc, I'm all, I'm always, even in my own life, I'm, I'm a pretty active guy. I love mountain biking. I love like whitewater kayaking. I grew up, once I hit 20, I, I, yeah, I love risk. it because it makes me feel, alive. it makes me feel alive. And, and emergency medicine was a natural calling for me for that purpose, because It's very different but people will ask me well what do you do when in the ER if someone comes in an extremist and how do you deal with that and it's it's like you it's a switch goes off because of preparation years and years of preparation the first time I went into a level one trauma I was scared shitless and and because I there hadn't been the preparation of course you're still in training You know, you have to, you train for years and years, no matter whether your craft is that of a magician, uh, a doctor, but back to risk reward. So my wife and I have all these arguments about how much risk I am going to allow there to be in my life going forward as a father. And also then she's worried that my son (laughs) or our
1: son. Following your footsteps.
0: For you, you're putting your, like you said, you're putting your life on the line, sometimes nightly. What's the scariest thing that you've ever done, where you're in, you're you're performing, but in the back of your mind, you're thinking, "Holy shit,
1: I am." I have many many of the holy shit factors uh, uh, on television. When I floated 550 feet above the pyramid, um, which we could never try, we just had to go for it, and I was up there for 30 minutes. Uh, 500 feet, 550 feet, didn't know if it was going to work or not. When It was. Can I find that on
0: YouTube, by the way?
1: Yeah, of course. Okay, I'm. I'm. I'm literally writing a note right now. Okay, Uh, look at. Um. Uh. One of the things I did, I wanted to show people the power of the mind, body, and spirit when they work together. That you can overcome anything. And I uh, hung by four fish hooks through my flesh from my back without any pain numbers, any pain medication at all. Just all mental. Uh. The the, the physical is a slave to the mind, and I believe that, and I wanted to illustrate that. So I hung my four fish hooks, got, got them put in my back, and I hung by a helicopter, and I flew above the Valley of Fire uh, from one helicopter while another helicopter was shooting it. I've done many, many crazy... I actually really... I ripped the bicep off of my bone and did two complete tears my rotator cuff when I hung in the middle of Times Square in front of about 20,000 people, I wanted to be the first person to ever escape two straight jackets. like legitimate, made by the Posey Company, straight jackets. One was a straight jacket, one was a transport jacket. And I had 50 pounds of weight hanging from a rope. The other end was a noose. And I had to escape before I went unconscious. unconscious. And um, while well, I did the escape, uh, trained with Ryan, Randy Couture, the UFC six-time champion and Hall of Famer, he choked me out a bunch of times to see what that would feel like. So I knew the signs of it coming—that tunnel kind of feeling—and uh, and I I successfully did it, but I paid the ultimate price. Well, a price, not the ultimate price. That, but not it, the ultimate pretty,
0: price. Luckily, yeah.
1: <laughs> but I but I literally ripped my bicep off my bone. I had two complete tears. I had seven screws and anchors. I had Dr. Neil Alatros, famous shoulder surgeon, knee surgeon from the Job Clinic in, uh, in California, um, you know, performed surgery, it took about five hours. It was really serious. And I had nine months of rehabilitation. And I went back and I was doing my show literally um, with a sling.
0: Really? Yeah.
1: I've had hernias before that I keep on performing. I just have them wrap me up. I had a deviated septum. them, continue to do the show. Because think about it. I was doing about 500 shows a year. And, you know, when I came to Vegas back in the 90s, I came out here and I had no money. I had nothing. I flew out here, had the cheapest car, the cheapest hotel room. I I was so excited because I was going to see a a show that I really wanted to see really bad. I won't say what it was. And it was canceled. And so I lost my money uh, for the hotel, for the flights. I was still here. I couldn't see what I came out to see. And I swore to myself that if I was ever blessed with success, that I would never take it for granted and never do that to somebody else. If I can get out of bed, I'm going to perform. And I've never missed a show, uh, you know, ever um, with, with regards to being sick or, you know, being hung over or having surgery. I've always done every show in my career. And so there's been many things. But Nightly when I do the show, you know there's there's many things that can happen you know I'm levitating i I'm, I'm, uh, although some people don't believe this, but I don't really levitate I'm an entertainer, and I have fallen two stories literally um i've 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 done lots of things over the audience's heads I'm hanging upside down I've won unconscious i've uh, I've had lots of instances, but lots of things I do are dangerous. My I'm son. still,
0: for the record, I'm literally still picturing four fish hooks in your back as you're. I mean,
1: I have the record. I did six fish hooks uh, back in 2001. I hung there for six hours until my blood pressure started to drop immensely, and they had to take me down. But I did uh, six hours of that. I quitter, come on, hours. Chris,
0: such a quitter. I'm kidding, of course. Yeah, yeah. That, that is, I, did I mean, tw- that is I did 20, 20,
1: 24 hours on the water. Back in 2001 uh, or two, um, I, I didn't have any money. I stayed in my, my neighbor's pool for 12 hours to figure out what it would be like. And then the chlorine was obviously made my skin really itch. Um, and I spent 24 hours, which was, I think it was live on Good Morning America. But I've done a lot of really stupid things. Walked down the Planet of Hollywood building with 30 mile an hour winds without people seeing how it worked, which is really stupid. I had a Hummer lay on me. Uh, I was laying on a bed of nails, holding up one-fourth of the weight of a Hummer on a board. That was really stupid. I could have killed myself easily.
0: Has the risk-reward needle evolved now as a father? Yes. yes. Because yes. I'm hearing, I'm hearing this. <laughs> Thank you. And that's the beauty of, you know, you were living in many, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's part of the evolution of an individual. You were doing yes. the things that that's what was... What you wanted to do, but now I'm assuming your number one job in the world is that a father. That's and it. so, you're, the beauty of it is you've become so good at your craft, even though you are putting yourself at risk. There's risk in everything in life. Walk across the street. Well, yeah. And in particular, we getting back to where we started here in this crazy time where we're dealing with this unknown entity of the novel coronavirus. You know, you're out there. Yeah, there's risk, but... It's, it's sometimes the riskiest things I've learned in life are the things we can't see. And so, you know, you could be walking across the street looking at your phone and the risk there is actually greater in some ways than some of the insane things you have done because you have prepared and you have gotten ready. You know there's a risk, so you've prepared for every variable. And getting back to, again, where we started, you know, you may go through the math in your mind. I don't know if there's a, a number where you say, you know what, there may be a one in 1000 shot here or a one in 100 shot. Well, I'm willing to bet anyone listening. Just think about, think about this for a moment. If someone said, okay, you go do this, this one thing, and there's a one in 100 or a two in 100 or in, in a certain populations, a 10 in 100 chance, you're going to die. Most people wouldn't take those odds. No, And way. that, I mean, interestingly, that kind of brings us full circle in this conversation. And I'm thinking about all the cool things you've done. There's a reason for it. There's a purpose behind it. And maybe what I've come at the other side of this conversation realizing is there's there's really no purpose or need for anyone to die unnecessarily because of our current state where this virus is running rampant through our community. But so the risk of going to a beach party right now, the it's reward stupid. of that is not it's worth stupid. any risk. It's no. it's stupid.
1: Right. It's so, stupid. It's stupid. And 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 by the way, you know, when you when you look at percentages just to bring this kind of as a callback to my son, when my son was diagnosed, we were told that the ALL that he got was the one that you want to get if you get it, because it was, you know, standard risk. Mm -hmm. It was 95% curable. Well, we were the 5%. And so, you know, with those odds, which were really great odds, we still were in the 5%. Now, being stupid and going out and having a party now or going to a social gathering and and taking the risk for yourself, but even more importantly, because not being selfish for a moment thinking about the people that you can affect is really selfish. It's like taking that camera and doing this, right? It's the same thing. If you just feel like, you know what, I'm going to go out and just have a party and go do this and do that and I'm gonna put myself in a vulnerable situation, but you know what, I don't care because I'm gonna have fun. That's kind of goes to that selfish personality trait we were talking about before. It's not thinking about others, it's just thinking about yourself. And that's a real sad way to think.
0: Well, I think that everyone listening and spread this message, we need to think about those who are vulnerable. We need to stay optimistic, though. And I think that's the beauty. When you feel like you have some control, it's easier to stay optimistic. And we we all do have some control here. It has been an honor and a privilege. And I have to ask you this just because one of the things that we always do in medicine is you get a patient's chart and you see their age. And you have an image in your mind. You're in your 50s. I'm 52. Yeah. You literally look like you're 22. Oh, oh, thank you. I mean, no, it
1: must be be the the camera.
0: No, (laughs) you you have a, a obviously what you're doing also requires an incredible amount of of physical effort and exertion. So it's easy to look at you and forget that you are. At an age where a lot of people are just hanging it up, do you have a secret to healthy aging? Yes. Since I am, I'm all about preventative medicine and living a healthy life. Yeah, I I go
1: to the Mayo Clinic once a year to get checked out because I believe in preventative medicine, and I think this country should practice that as opposed to being reactive. They should be, you know, proactive. But. For me, uh, I believe in eating healthy. Uh for the most part, I do cheat. I'm not gonna lie. It's uh, okay. I do exercise. You're allowed. <laughs> huh? You're
0: allowed yeah. to cheat. Cheating is I, okay. That's called a treat.
1: Yeah. Yes. And I I I exercise. I I was doing a lot of MMA. I was training with uh, extreme Couture, uh, Rainy kator's gym. Um I have a MMA gym at my house, so I do a lot of uh jujitsu and uh, kickboxing. And, um, uh, I, I love that stuff. Um, I, I, uh, I try to, at least if I don't do that stuff, which I haven't been doing now, because even my trainers, um, I, I, I won't, and I love them to death, but I won't have them here, you know, sweating and, and, and sparring right now because like they might yeah. have something that they don't even know about it. And then I come into the house and I give it to my kid. So I just stop. And what I do is I just walk like, you know, between three and, a half and and six miles a day, like probably five days a week, I just walk the neighborhood and uh, you know try to do that. But but I, I try. I've always been somewhat active, and I stretch like a maniac because, as you know, if you're not flexible, you're much more prone to injury. And I have three herniated discs already. And one of the things I do is I stretch pretty much at least five days a week. I can do a full split for the most part, so I'm really flexible. I
0: thought the fishhook story visually hurt more, but a full stretch. Ooh, I can't even,
1: I I can't,
0: I cannot do that. Not even close.
1: So it's so important to like, I could, you know, to touch your palms to the ground or touch your feet. It's really important. I can do that. I can do that. Yeah. As you get older, you know, if those things start to slow down, you, you, you can get injured. And for me, because I do so many shows a year, I, I have to be, you know, uh, uh, limber and I have to be uh, in, in shape to do these things. And so because it's like a, a catch 22, it's like what comes first? It's like, I want to be somewhat in shape uh, because I want to have a long career and I can't have a long career doing the things that I think people want to see if I'm not in shape. So they're one in the same for me. Well, whatever
0: you're doing, it's working. I'm just glad that you didn't say, Travis, my secret to longevity is fish hook. Acupuncture. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I did do I did do, uh, dry needling. Have you ever done that before?
0: I d- I've never done dry needling. I'm I'm a big fan of acupuncture. I had an, a neck injury that I had to have surgery on, and I've got this I've got this acupressure mat I use all the time. But are you a big fan of dry needling?
1: Well, I was doing it to to give relief for my back, but now I don't need to do it because I I started doing the McKenzie stretch. If you're familiar, yeah, with yeah, I do those. The, yep. th- that, that man, however he figured that out, or um, I had herniated discs and I started doing like, you know, it's five minutes of stretching, doing very specific exercises and it changed my life. Like my, my, and by the way, you know, my doctor, I have a good friend, a lot, lots of friends that are doctors and brain surgeons and spine people. And he was like, you know, a herniated disc is nothing more than like, think of it as a water blister. You can either pop it or you can let it go down by itself. And he says, you know, you would never, he doesn't believe in the fusing thing and all that stuff. So he says do this McKenzie thing and it will, and, and it worked great. And so I just continue to do it before I go to sleep or when I get up in the morning, just literally two minutes. And it, it's really, really helpful. Well, and I think that you've hit upon something I've been
0: preaching from the rooftop since I had, I'd had have surgery three years ago on my neck because it wasn't, it wasn't actually a herniated disc. It was, um, more of the bone on my nerve and the bone wasn't going to go without a surgery, but I've started doing all those back friendly things. And I think for anyone out there, whether you're a magician um, in my case, a 48 year old soon to be older father, you know, it's just the mechanics of picking up a baby. It's you need to stretch, you need to pay attention to your back. But most importantly, I think um, talking to you today is just reminded me of the importance of, you know, right now in this time of uncertainty, yes, let's be worried about ourselves, but let's be maybe more worried about everyone else because I'm literally urging everyone right now listening to think about people like your son, Johnny Christopher, six years of age. Has spent way too many days in a hospital and he's lucky to have you as a father. And I really appreciate the time and and, and look forward to- I appreciate
1: your time, but I'm, I'm lucky to have him. I'm so blessed. He's changed my life. He is the purest form of magic, and I I have been so blessed, so I'm, I'm so grateful. And I'm grateful for your time, and thank you for putting positivity into the world with all of your work and, and, and sacrificing yourself to help others is such a commendable, beautiful thing. I wish you many, many more years of success, and hopefully I'll come and do that show again in the future. That sounds great. All right, buddy, take care. All the best. God bless.
0: Cheers. I hope you enjoyed listening. Do not forget to subscribe and download and tell your friends. I would love to build this community and continue to be all about authenticity, optimism, and hope. Uh, Looking forward to the next podcast. We'll see you soon. The Doctors' Podcast with Travis Stork is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended as a replacement or substitution for any professional medical, financial, legal, or other advice, diagnosis, or treatment. This podcast does not constitute the practice of medicine or any other professional service. The use of any information provided during this podcast is at the listener's own risk. For medical or other advice appropriate to your specific situation, please consult a physician or other trained professional.